It's just, there's so many things that come up all the time. I mean, just all the time. You know, it's like you wish everything could just be perfect and secure and, you know, nothing to ever worry about. You know, just have enough money in the bank that you never have to worry about paying any bills or anything like that. And, you know, it's, but it's like if, you know, if the Lord did that, if He just gave you all that money, then, you know, you wouldn't need to depend on Him. And, and you know, and the truth is, that's what, you know, He wants us to depend on Him, He wants us to trust Him. And you know what? God is a lot more secure than a big bank account and a good retirement plan. Those things can go bye bye just like that. And He knows what's going on. He what what's going to 2013? Uh, we have no idea what's in store for everyone, but God does, and that is very exciting to know that. But if you want to take your Bibles today, go to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. Matthew, chapter 26. We're going to read verse 31-43. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. 
But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. And saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. What I want to talk with you about uh, this morning is I want to talk to you about what standards accomplish. What standards accomplish? Um, that may be something you've heard of. It might not be something that you've heard of. By the end of this, hopefully, you'll know what they are and you'll understand why why we have them. But right now, uh, we are, of course, we're getting ready to celebrate a new year. All kinds of people are planning their New Year's resolutions. All these things that they're going to start doing, things that they are not going to do. All kinds of people making these plans. You know, I'm going to go on this diet. I'm not going to eat this thing anymore. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to start going to church. I mean, they come up with all these things, and then uh, a lot of times they crash and burn. Sometimes within days. Sometimes within hours. It goes that fast, and. All these people, they want to do it. I mean, who doesn't want to get in better shape? I mean, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to be better? Everybody wants to be better. We talked in Sunday school this morning about how there's always room for improvement. We should always be trying to improve ourselves in whatever area we can. We should always be trying to grow. And there's not one person in here, I'm sure, that doesn't want to be better than you are right now. So, if you all want it, why doesn't that happen? Why do we fail on these New Year's resolutions? Why? What is it that's going on? All of you intend to do good. I'm sure everybody in here, you want to be a good husband. You want to be a good wife. You want to, you want to be good at everything you do. But you're going to find out this year you're going to probably have several failures along the way. You're not going to do the things that you intend to do. And what is that? What is stopping us? And really, it's the same thing that stopped Peter here in this story, we see that Jesus told them, all of you are going to be offended because of me this night. Peter the disciples said, no, we're not going to be offended. Peter said, I'll die first. And then, I mean, I'll die before. I'm not going to let you down. He didn't want to let Jesus Christ down. He would have rather died. But, just a little while later, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And Jesus tells them to watch for a little while. He wanted them to watch and pray. And you know what they did? They fell asleep. And you know what he did? He disappointed Jesus. He said he couldn't watch for one hour. And then in verse 42, it says he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again. 
for their eyes were heavy. I mean, can you imagine Peter? I mean, he didn't want to disappoint Christ. I imagine when Jesus came to him, that person was like, Peter, why are you sleeping? And he saw that disappointment in his face. And Jesus was sorrowful during this time. The Bible says he said he was sorrowful even unto death. They needed, he needed, his disciples were needed by Christ at that time. And they went and they let him down. They fell asleep. And he comes and he gets on to them. And he expresses his disappointment. And okay, we're going to stay awake. We're going to, we're going to do it. But he fell asleep again. They fell asleep twice. What stopped them? The flesh. Jesus made a great statement in there that we all ought to remember. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The reason that none of, the reason that we're not going to stick to that diet that we're planning on sticking to in the new year is because our flesh is weak. Our flesh sees that pizza. Our flesh sees those French fries and all that great, wonderful, unhealthy stuff. And we say, forget it. <laughs> I'll start it tomorrow. You know, and and we it's just our flesh is weak. We have a hard time saying no to things. I want to read my Bible, but you know what? Our flesh, it's weak and it just sees that TV and it just tears us away. Well, I'll just read it before I go to bed, but our flesh is weak and we start to doze off while we're supposed, while we should be reading our Bible. We want to do these things. Our hearts are in the right place. We want to do it, but the flesh is weak. And we don't, but so God's not saying in this passage, "Hey, here's an excuse. Your flesh is weak, so I don't expect." Jesus was disappointed in them, and it ought to be the desire of all of us to please God. That ought to be ultimately what we want to do. We ought to want to please God. And the way that we're going to have victory, people who are going to have victory in their New Year's resolutions, people who are going to have victory in their spiritual life, and when it comes to pleasing God, are going to be people, the difference is going to be people that have that lay out some standards, that set up some standards in their life, and they stick to them, and they don't move from them. A standard is something that's established by authority, Custom or general consent as a model or example. We've got standards in all, in all kinds of things. And, you know, in the military, they have you know certain standards. They have uh, you have to be a certain age if you're going to be able to go into the military. You know, they've got different requirements if you're going to do different things. They have certain standards that they set. If you want to be a Navy SEAL, they've got some pretty high standards that they set because they got some. Those guys have to do some tough stuff. The most of us couldn't handle, and so they set some really high standards, and that's what we're going to have to do if we're going to accomplish, uh, if we're going to accomplish the things that we need to accomplish. So what do so what do standards do? What do standards accomplish? Well, first of all, they keep us from crossing lines that we shouldn't be crossing. A standard, many times, it's kind of it's kind of like a flag. This here, this right here, is a standard. And another another example you could have a, a a place where you might see a standard or, or an example of a standard is like a marker. For example, a property marker, a landmark. So you know when you know where the property ends. You know where the line ends. We need to have things like that. Otherwise, we're going to be crossing over in areas we shouldn't. Deuteronomy chapter twenty-seven, verse seventeen. I want to read a couple of verses to you about landmarks in the Bible. Deuteronomy 27.17 It says, Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. A curse for moving somebody's landmark. Why is that so bad? 
Because you know you have, you place those things there so you know what the property is. It's important that you know that because they don't want to create disputes later and to create problems later. It's very important. They said you don't mess with it. You don't move your neighbor's landmark. And also in Proverbs twenty two twenty eight says it says remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. There are certain guidelines and, and borders and things that we are guidelines that we have in every area in life that we need to, that we need to stick to that we don't need to be messing with because when we do, it causes confusion. For example, um, you know when it comes to property lines and landmarks, you know I've I've done a lot of hunting in the past and I, I like going out in the woods and maybe uh, you know I've never had my own property but I've had other people that allowed me to hunt on their property. And sometimes if you go out there, they don't have the property lines marked very well. And it's real easy to go and get in somebody else's property. And you know what? You can get in trouble when you get in somebody else's property. They, you know, they can you know, bust you for trespassing or whatever. Uh, you, know, you might actually get shot by another hunter or something. I mean, you've got to be careful when you're on somebody else's property that you're not supposed to be on. You're in dangerous territory. And so it's a lot of places they'll put up fences. They'll put up markers. So you know where you'll know when to stop. I remember one time we went out into the woods and we were me and some of my friends were riding four wheelers out there. And I remember we 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 didn't see any fences or anything, but apparently we got way off the property that we were supposed to be on, and we got lost, and we had no idea where we were. And it wasn't fun. It was starting to get dark, and we're starting to panic a little bit because uh, you know we. It's getting dark. We're getting we're far away, and then you know we're riding back, and then the chain on my four wheeler comes off, and we can't move, and we're too far away to walk, and uh, you know, and then and my dad too. If you know my dad, you know, I was still living at home then. You know, he worries if he doesn't know where you're at, and I knew, man, dad's probably panicking right now. Dad's probably freaking out, and I had a cell phone, but the reception wasn't very good out there, and he was trying to call me, and I was like, he's he's gonna be mad, and we're we're all panicking, and then we finally found our way back, but. You know, we were explaining where we were. We went way off the property. It wasn't marked very well. They didn't have any standards set out. We didn't know where we were at. We ended up somewhere that we didn't want to go. And when you don't lay out some some rules and some guidelines in your life that are based on the scriptures, it's going to cause you to go places that you don't want to go. For example, a good standard to have in your life um, well, uh, is one I. I am 100% against the consumption of alcohol. That's a standard of my life. None. Zero. Don't touch it. Many people will try to say biblically that drinking in moderation is okay, that only drunkenness is a sin. Well, personally, I think you've got to ignore a lot of Scriptures to come to that conclusion, but let's give you that. Let's give you that drinking in moderation, it's okay. Drunkenness is a sin. Alright? We're going to give you that for now. But a standard, but a standard though, when you have that standard of zero, you don't have to worry about displeasing God. We know God is not pleased by drunkenness. The Bible says, or go ahead and turn to First Corinthians chapter six, verse nineteen. Remember, the goal is pleasing Christ. The goal is not to get away with as much as we can get away with. The goal is not to push it as far as we can. The goal is to please Christ. And it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, 
nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty clear right there that God doesn't like that stuff. That God doesn't like drunkenness. God is displeased with drunkenness. And did you know that you cannot get drunk if you never take that first drink? It can't happen. It's not, it's not going to happen. You don't have to worry about it. Listen, I mean, I've known people that are controlled by alcohol. I mean, just, I mean, drunks. They can't, they can't do anything. They can't, they can't keep a job. They can't provide for the family because that alcohol has taken over their life. And everybody will admit that that's wrong. Everybody will admit that's a sin. But you know what? I guarantee you that person, when they took that first drink, they didn't intend to become a drunk. That was not their desire. They didn't plan on it. I'll bet right now if you ask them, they don't want to be a drunk. They'd like to quit. I mean, on January first when it starts, they're probably gonna they're probably gonna try. You know, I'm gonna see if I can stop drinking now. This is a great time to stop, and they want to quit. They intend to quit, but their flat that flesh is weak, and that's why there's some things that you just you set a standard and say, I'm not even gonna start. I'm not even. I'm not going to mess with that. I'm going to. I'm going to set this standard here, and I'm not crossing that line. That's why. That's why I don't even go to the bars. So now they got good chicken wings there. I don't care. Hey, if I if I'm I don't ever want to touch that stuff, and I don't even want to be around it. It's a standard I've set in my life, and it's and because of that, it's protected me from it. And I haven't. Listen, I I remember I talked to guys who have talked about the things that they've done that they regret while they were under the influence of alcohol. I know people that have gone to prison for things that they did while under the influence of alcohol. People uh, who have killed other people in drunk driving accidents. I don't want that to happen to me. And so I've set a standard in my life that protects me because my flesh is weak. I don't think I could control it. I can barely control caffeine. Let alone alcohol or any of the any of the other drugs. So you set that standard, and it protects you. It keeps you from crossing line because nobody in here wants to be the drunk driver. Nobody does. Nobody wants to be the drunk that doesn't take care of his family, that spends all his money on alcohol. Nobody wants to do that. But every one of you in here, you've got to admit that your flesh is weak, and and so you need some standards in your life. You need to, you need to set some guidelines. And you place you place them there and say, I don't cross that line. People might say, I, you're going you're going a little too far. Well, at least I don't have to worry about displeasing God in that area. Amen. At least I don't have to worry. I mean, about you know getting uh, you know being a part of a drunk driving accident. I, that, I don't have to. At least I don't have to worry about that because I got enough to worry about with this flesh. The last thing I need is to be taking some drugs and things that are addictive that make it even harder. So that I have a tough enough time sober doing right let alone drunk. And so, I'm, I've set a standard. And that's what we've got to do. It protects us. keeps us from crossing uh, lines. There are some standards that we place in our lives. Remember, the goal is, is pleasing God. Remember, standards do not... They don't get you into heaven and they don't make God love you more. Okay? God loves you no matter what. I hope you understand that. God loves you no matter what. God loves the worst sinner in this world. 
God will save anybody who will admit they're a sinner and they will, that will call on Him for salvation. Okay, so these things that we're talking about here, they have nothing to do with getting to heaven. People are, oh, at that church, if you don't dress this way, you can't go to heaven. No, we're not teaching that. But we do teach on some of these things because we want to please God. And God hates sin. And so we don't want to, we don't want to cross lines. So there's standards that we set. We don't enforce them around here like police. We don't come to your house and you know check up on you things like that. We encourage you to place them in your life and you govern yourself and that you that you do these things because it's as a pastor I'm supposed to motivate you to please God and to do right. But another example in the of a standard that we have or that I have I guess that that I believe in that's not clearly lined out in Scripture but it's based on a Scripture is in First Corinthians chapter eleven. Verse 14 and 15, it says, Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. So right here we see that it's a shame for a man to have long hair. Well, what's long hair? Okay? By the way, I don't even want to get into this. Jesus didn't have long hair. Alright? That came from a bunch of homosexual painters, European painters from the old times. Don't he didn't have long hair? All right, he didn't look like he didn't look like somebody that fell out of the back end of the '60s. That was not Jesus. Okay, he didn't have long hair. You don't see that anywhere in the Bible. Nature teaches it's a shame for a man to have long hair. Um, a, a good like an example that we had, like a lot of Bible colleges will have. Okay, because it's like, okay, well, what's long hair? Is it? You know, longer than you know Fabio, or you know, I'm trying to think of people with long hair. You know, I mean, what what is it? Well, you know, so they they set a standard. The rule that they have is off, you know, above, you know, off the ears and off the collar. You know that that's what they do. Okay, does that mean God is displeased if my hair is touching my collar? I, I don't know. I don't know, but I don't want to push it. I'm trying to please God. So that's the standard I've set. Sometimes, you know, I take a while to get to the haircut. My hair might be touching my ears a little bit. It doesn't mean I think that I'm sinning at that point. But you know what? I'm not going to wait until God's got to slap me upside the head to say, "Hey, you know, you're looking like a girl." You know, have somebody mistake me for a woman in town, and then all of a sudden figure out, "Hey, I'm probably not pleasing God." I, I want so I'm just it's a, it's a standard, okay? It's a, it's a guideline. I don't want to cross lines. I want to please God. But another thing a standard does is it lets other people know who you are. For example, that standard right there. We all know what that means, don't we? It means the United States of America. When they'd fight in battles, they would go and they they carry that flag. And the enemy sees that flag and they know who you are. And if you are, if you're on the same side, maybe you know the battle's getting crazy. You want to know? You go. They'll have that standard there, and everybody they know where their group is. They know where their people are. The people that are on their side, they know. They also know who the enemy is. And you know that's a sad thing. Today, the enemy that we're fighting in our country is a cowardly enemy, one that doesn't have a standard, one that doesn't carry a flag in the battles. You know, back in the old days, I mean, even the Nazis, as evil and as wicked as they were, those Japanese the, the, that we were fighting back then, those communist countries, those people, they wore uniforms, they flew their flags, you knew who they were, and you could go out there and you try to shoot them. 
The, the people we're fighting today, they're a bunch of cowards. They dress up like all the other Muslims in their area. They'll have their women. They might even dress up like women. They'll have they'll, they'll hide the bombs on their kids and stuff. I mean, cowards. They don't they don't go out. That's why it's so hard for our military right now. It's a hard job because they got to go and they got to fight an enemy that has no uniform, that has no standard, trying to make sure they're getting the bad guy and not the good guy. It's a tough thing because they have no standard, and we ought to we we shouldn't be ashamed to let people know. Who we are. If you're saved today, you're in a spiritual battle, whether you like it or not. And it's okay to let people know who you are. And I'm not saying that we wear uniforms. We don't wear uniforms around here. But you have standards. And our standards ought to be with the desire to please God. You know, and I guess an example of a standard when it comes to, alright, we've got a lot of Amish folks around here, don't we? You know who they are when you see them, don't you? You can tell. Now, listen. There's nothing biblically wrong with how they dress. I think I don't think anybody would argue with that. Now, and but one thing, I think we can be pretty sure that they are not displeasing God with how they dress. Am I right? Now, if they're dressing that way to get to heaven, that doesn't please God. All right. That's then that's a sin. If they're if they're doing that in order to get to heaven, in order to work their way up, they're wasting their time. That's not going to get them any close to heaven. But I think it's safe to say they're not displeasing God. And then, but we've got a lot of other people in this area. Summertime comes around, not wearing much of anything. Safe to say that displeases God. Okay, we know that. So what? Pleases God? What displeases God? Do we want to push it? Do we want to do things that are questionable? And I mean, we and so you set up you set up standards. It lets people. We want to we want to make sure we're pleasing God. We're not talking about making up new rules so we as Baptists can stand out and everybody will know we're Baptists. But the truth is, if we would just follow the clear instructions in the Bible concerning modesty, uh, nakedness. And men dressing like men and women dressing like women, we're going to stand out. Okay, you're going to be different, especially in the summer when everybody else is half naked and you're fully clothed. You're going to stand out. Okay, and like I said, our goal is not to stand out. Our goal is to please God. And uh, and so we don't want to we don't want to push it. Everybody's always trying to get. Oh, I think I think you're taking that too far. Just trying to please God. My flesh is weak. And so I want to be careful. I'm going to set some guidelines in my life so I don't have to worry about it. You know, I mean, you see people sometimes, and I mean, you know, they'll go out and they'll wear a skirt that's so short, you can tell it, you know, they're having it, you know, it's like they're, they're kind of embarrassed and trying to, you know, pull it down, and they know they've crossed lines. It's like, why don't you just get something longer and you don't have to worry about it? You know, just don't, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous how unashamed people are today. The way that they, they can go out in public and just be okay with it. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that website, the people of Walmart. <laughs> I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you don't want to see that. It's, it's pretty crazy how some people will go out in public and they're okay with it. As Christians, we want to please God. We want to honor God. We, repre- we represent God. And so we need to do it 
in a way, we don't want to displease Him. So you don't have to wear you don't have to wear a big cross on your shirt all the time. You don't have to wear a shirt that says I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, and all that. I mean, if you want to do some of that, you know, go ahead. Just make sure you behave yourself when you're like that. I've seen people before wearing these Christian clothes and acting like acting like the devil. Don't do that. Uh, especially don't get one that says Liberty Baptist Church if you're <laughs> if you're gonna act like the devil. Don't do that. I remember at our old church we we got. Uh, they got the teenagers these jackets, and they had the church name on it and stuff. And uh, you know, later on, some of them kind of went another direction and backslid, and they were seen in public wearing those jackets. And it was just like, I wonder if we can get that jacket back from them because it was kind of making the rest of the you're kind of making the church look bad. And um, don't want to do that. But standards, they they let others know who we are. I'm thank I'm thankful for the American flag. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't mind having that flag. In this church, I know what it represents. I love our country. I don't like everything that's going on in our country, but I still love our country. I think we're the best country on earth, and I'm not ashamed to be an American. I'm not ashamed to wear clothes that has an American flag on it. Uh, if I go to another country, I'm not ashamed for the American flag, unless it's one that doesn't like us. I'm afraid I'll get shot. And uh, but uh, I'm not. I'm not ashamed. Of that flag, but another thing that standards do is we can use them as motivation to keep us from sinning. Isaiah chapter sixty-two, verse ten through twelve. I want to read this passage to you. Isaiah sixty-two, ten through twelve. A little slow finding the scriptures today. It says. Go through, go through the gates, prepare ye the way of the people, cast up, cast up the highway, gather out the stones, lift up a standard for the people. Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world, say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh, behold, his reward is with him, and his work is before him. It's saying, go and hold up that standard, okay? In a battle, one of the things that is a big motivator sometimes is that flag waving when they see it. I don't know if you've heard the story of the Star Spangled Banner and how that song came to being, but there's this battle taking place and Francis Scott Key, he's on the top of this boat and there he's kind of he's kind of watching with this flag stand. There's people down inside the boat and they kept asking if the flag was still standing, if the flag was still there. And and he he it was nighttime, but he'd be able to see it from the light that would come from the bombs bursting. He was able to keep telling them, hey, the flag's still there. They're still holding that fort. I can't think of the fort right now. But it's it's still there. They're still there. And they said the next day after they won that battle, Francis Scott Key he goes in there and surround and that, surrounding that flag was piles of bodies. It was bodies that was holding that flag up. And these guys they went out and they gave their life holding up that standard to make sure that the other people could see it. And it would inspire them and motivate them to keep on going, to keep on fighting. That's what they do in those old wars. You know, when they, uh, whenever they would go and they conquer that area, they would wave their flag, and it would tell it would tell the people on their side, "Hey, we've conquered it, we've done it." It would tell the people on the other side, "Hey, we defeated you." And they would see that standard, and it would get them excited. And boy, in our and. Uh, and churches today, boy, your people are being defeated all the time in the battle. It's tough, and we've got to raise those standards and let folks know that hey, there's still people that still love God. There's still people that are following the scriptures that are still doing their best to please God. You are not alone. That's why I like going and I like visiting other churches and going and getting around other God's people. We find out, you know we are not alone in this battle. 
There's other people that are still out there that are doing the right thing. There's other churches out there that are still preaching the Gospel and staying strong and following the Word of God. And I'm encouraged by that. When I see, when I go to those places and I see those standards that are still flying, they're still waving. But you know, I've gone back to some places before and the standard has fallen. It's not there anymore. That flag that they used to carry, that they used to stand for, is now nowhere to be found. It's laying on the ground. I just went to, um, I was driving through Spring Valley the other day, and I went and I stopped by the church that uh, I went to when I was saved. Used to be a Baptist church. They ended up moving, and now some charismatic groups got it. And I went in there, and the whole they took out the whole baptistry section. The baptistry is gone because they needed room for all their drum sets and rock equipment. And it's pretty much a rock and roll church now. No standard there at all. I don't even know what religion they are. A lot of churches these days, they they you like I said. That's why I'm okay. You know, there's there's all these non-denominational ones, which you say, well, their doctrine's okay, but how do you know? You don't know what they are. You know, a nice thing if you go to if you see a sign that says Catholic, you pretty much know what you're going to get into when you go in there. You know, you know what's going to happen in a Catholic church. You see, uh, you know, Church of Latter Day Saints. You know what you're going to get to get yourself into if you go in there. You know, the Jehovah's Witnesses. You, hey, you know who they are? Kingdom Hall. Stay away. <laughs> you, know, you, you know that. You know that. But you know what? People these days, they're taking all those names off there. You know why? They're they don't want anybody to know who they are. And we don't know who they are. You don't know where they stand. I tell you, that's why I'm I'm not ashamed to have the name Baptist on this place. And unfortunately, a lot of places that are calling themselves Baptists are, you know, not what they used to be. And so that's why we've got to have more standards. It used, you know, back when the church started, it was the church. It was that's all. It was the church. But then all these other groups started coming in. And so they had to start specifying. You know, we had Baptist church, and then you know, Baptist started going a little wacky. So well, we got independent Baptist church. Oh, well, independent started going a little wacky. So now we got independent fundamental Baptist. Oh, even some of them are going kind of wacky, using different Bibles and things. You know, now we got independent fundamental King James. You know, you got to like put all these new. You you got to put all these new standards in the name, so people will know what they are. But we've got it. We have to have those standards. And I tell you, I'm encouraged when I go places and I see that, and it motivates me to keep on going. And I'm thankful for churches that have been around for years and they've held on to those standards. I went to a church one time, a Baptist church. It was a hundred years old. They were celebrating their hundredth year. And I thought oh, this would be neat to go there. I went into that church, and they were preaching you had to be baptized to go to heaven. I couldn't believe it. They had. I mean, it was. The pastor had long hair, I mean, by my standards, and you know, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was weird. I mean, that whole experience in that church didn't like, didn't like it at all. No standards at all. Hundred years old, but you know, there's other churches. They've been around for a long time, and they're still teaching the same thing that they taught when they started. I, I love that. I'm thankful. My dad's church. They're gonna, this will be their 25th year. They're almost 25 years old, and still preaching the same thing. Many other churches I know of that still doing the same thing. They've they've held those standards high, and I'm thankful for that. But also, the last thing that standards do they help us accomplish what should be our ultimate goal, and that is to please God. 
First Thessalonians chapter four. This is the last scripture I want to go to. First Thessalonians chapter four and verse one. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel, talking about your body, in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God, Gentiles, they just do whatever they just did whatever they wanted to do, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. See, that's what God's called us to. He's called us to holiness. We don't practice holiness so we can earn heaven. We can't earn heaven. Jesus earned heaven for us on the cross. We don't practice holiness so God will love us more. God loves us no matter what. We don't practice holiness so we can feel like we're better than somebody else. That's what a lot of people try to accuse us of doing. That has nothing to do with it. Our goal is to please God. And so we place some landmarks there. We place some standards in our life so we can... So we don't cross those lines. So we don't do like Peter and have to have. You know, I just can't imagine what that was like when Jesus, while he was sorrowful, while he was down, he said, "Couldn't he have waited, watched one hour, watch him pray, lest he enter into temptation?" The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went and he fell asleep again, two times. Jesus caught them sleeping on the job. If you have standards just to go to heaven ever, then those things have become a problem. Then, then we do have legalism. We have all, there's all kinds of problems that go with that. We do these because we love God. We want to please Him. But many people, they think that standards aren't necessary. They look at different sins and they'll say things like, I would never do that. I'd never go that far. And the truth is, Peter and the disciples, they never thought that they would forsake Jesus. They didn't plan on it. It just happened. Many people today, they plan to fail when it comes, they just plan on failing when it comes to sin. Well, I'm a sinner. What can I do? You can set up some standards in your life, and it'll keep you from failing. It can protect you. What we should do is understand that we need to have that mindset that I can fail. I can be the drunk. I can be, I can be whatever. I could be the murderer. I could be the thief. I could be the guy sitting in prison. That could be me. And so I'm going to put some safeguards in my life to make sure I don't cross those lines. You know, a good standard to have in your life is just going to church. That'll protect you. You got, you got a lot of negative influence out there in the world. People trying to get you to do the wrong thing. You come to church, you're going to get around people that are going to try to get you doing right. I like to surround myself with people like that. It helps keep me straight. It helps keeps me doing right. And ultimately what it keeps me from doing is it keeps me from displeasing the Lord. And more than anything, that's what I do. I want to please God. And so, standards, they, they can help you. I'm not telling you everything you got to do. I'm not telling you what all they are. Some of them aren't lined out in the Scripture real clear. But I think when you place those, when you 
sincerely have that desire to please God, He'll show you what you need to add to your life or what you need to take away to your life. He'll, he'll make it clear to you. And, it, and you can have victory in these areas. You can have liberty in Christ. So let's stand together. Their heads bowed and eyes closed.